With Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner now out of town, most experts aren't viewing the Seahawks roster in a favorable light. How does ESPN's Mike Clay grade them out heading into the 2022 season? Rob Rang and I are going to be diving into the numbers here on our Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks, joining me for our Wednesday edition of the show, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks as always for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We're now six days away from the start of training camp, but who's counting? Continuing our training camp preview today, we're going to be going to the backfield, checking out Seattle's running backs, as well as the defensive backfield, a deep, talented safety position for the Seahawks. We're also going to be examining another set of rankings that compare Seattle's roster to the rest of the NFL. Without further ado, let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. It's officially ranking season. Last week, Nick Lee and I dove into some of ESPN's individual positional rankings at safety, linebacker, and receiver. Today, we're going to look at a little more of a broad-spectrum ranking. Mike Clay of ESPN, every year, dishes out a positional grade on a 0-4 to four scale at every position for every team. And let's just put it this way, not going to sugarcoat it. He's not viewing the Seahawks roster very favorably heading into the 2022 season. Obviously, not alone. A lot of people have been skewering Seattle's roster without Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. But, Rob, even with that being said, considering the talent Seattle still has at a number of positions, it felt like maybe that Mike Clay was a little bit harsh on a few of these grades. I, I certainly think so. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, we all realize that this is entertainment and that people's opinions uh, are, are going to vary. But yeah, when I looked at the rankings that Mike Clay of ESPN had on the, the specific positional groups, Corbin, it really was shocking. And for those of our viewers who are watching on YouTube, you can see the graphic that Corbin created. Otherwise, I'll just read it out loud for those of you who are listening. And thank you so much to both our viewers viewers and listeners. But again, Mike Clay of ESPN dishes out positional unit grades annually. Uh, the Seahawks were not favored uh, were not viewed favorably at all. They were ranked 29th overall out of the 32 NFL teams with a 1.1 score on a <sighs> zero to four scale. The specific positions of note, uh, Seattle came in dead last with a score of 0.1, almost like the John Blutowski kind of grades from Animal House, uh, 32nd <laughs> overall at the quarterback position. Um, running back 26th overall, that's one that really kind of caught my eye. I think that that's a, you know, just kind of a crazy grade in my opinion. Um, wide receiver only 6th, I thought that was a little bit low. Offensive line, we talked about this in a previous show, Corbin, of course, the inexperienced tackle position. I understand why they might rank Seattle 28th although I think that's too low as well. 
the edge rushers is another one that I think is ranked too low. I, I really think that Seattle is going to surprise some edge rushers ranked 31st out of the 32 NFL teams, 0.3 ranking cornerback, 31st, 0.3 ranking. Again, you can make that can make some sense considering Seattle struggles a year ago. But I think with the edge rushers improving, then you're likely to see some cornerback play. But along with running back, Corbin, one of the grades that I was shocked by is Seattle ranking just ninth at safety. So I thought this is a a perfect topic for us to start off our show with today because of the fact that Mike Clay's grades at running back and safety, two of the positions that we're going to be breaking down a little bit more detail. Those were the grades that I was the most opposed to um, from Clay's rankings. And, and the one that if I see him on the street, I'm going to have a conversation with him. <laughs> yeah. I have a great deal of respect for Mike Clay. I think and one of the reasons we're looking at these rankings generally I think he does a pretty good job when you're comparing all 32 teams. And I think if you go back and you look at some earlier podcasts that we did during off seasons and previous seasons, I think you and I generally at least are in the ballpark with where he is at on most positions. And I can't say that I completely disagree with the rankings. I mean, until Geno Smith or Drew Locke shows that they are something that they haven't been in the NFL to this point, I I can't dispute them being 32nd in the NFL at quarterback. It makes sense. I could see him jumping up several spots if one of those guys grabs hold of the starting job and outperforms expectations. But part of this is based on what we have seen in the past. And so Seattle being dead last there makes some sense to me. They were one of the worst pass rushing teams in the NFL last year. So it's understandable why looking at the edge group, you might assume that this is one of the worst in the NFL. But I really like the group that they've got there with Daryl Taylor, Uchenna Nuosu, Boye Mafe coming in. You don't know what Mafe is going to contribute as a rookie, but you got three explosive young pass rushers. So I'm with you. I think that group will surprise. I'm not necessarily surprised, though, that they're scored this low based on what we saw last year, the turnover that they've had in this position and not having any true stars of that spot, at least at this point. But as you mentioned, Running back and safety, running back is the one that I've got a beef with because I look at some of the teams that are ranked ahead of them. I mean, yes, there are question marks about health, but we saw what Rashad Penny can do in those last six games last year. He was the most dynamic running back in the NFL those last six games. Ken Walker III had almost 1,700 rushing yards and 18 touchdowns last year at Michigan State. Running backs tend to be a position that, you have a pretty easy transition compared to other spots. So I think that Ken Walker III has a chance to really be an impact contributor as that 1A, 1B type back in his rookie season. We don't know if Chris Carson is going to be available. So even if he's not, though, ranking them 26th with Travis Homer and DJ Dallas, two very capable third down backs that can come in and start as spot starters in a pinch. And Josh Johnson, I think, has the talent to be in an NFL roster. I just... I think 26th is a joke. I could maybe see them outside the top 10 just because of the durability concerns, but we've seen what Rashad Penny looks like at his peak. We know what Ken Walker III can do. We know that Travis Homer and DJ Dallas are capable NFL running backs, maybe not feature guys, but they can play significant downs in the league and produce. I, I think 26th is really sliding the talent and the depth that Seattle has. And you're also not accounting for the fact they're going to run the ball a lot as well. I would think that by that, by default, with the talent they have, that this would be a top 10, top 12 running back group at the rank 26th. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I think that anything in the top 15, I, I could I could understand. 
but outside of the top 15, I, I think is a little bit crazy. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, it's the durability factor. It's the unknown factor with a lot of those statistics expected to go to either a rookie or a player like Rashad Penny, who at best has been inconsistent over his NFL career to this point. But at the same time, I think that if any of those running backs wind up staying healthy, then he's got a chance to be a NFL rushing champion or, or at least compete for that just because the fact that we know the Seahawks are going to run the football an awful lot and they're probably not going to give the ball primarily to just one back it is probably going to be spread out over several backs but I think when it's all said and done Corbin I fully expect the Seahawks to be in the top 10 perhaps even the top five overall in rushing yards this upcoming season and that may not be very exciting to a lot of Seahawks fans but I think that that's how you protect those young offensive tackles it's how you protect a somewhat inexperienced quarterback, whoever that quarterback might be, and how Pete Carroll has chosen to attack defenses throughout his entire, you know, Hall of Fame, arguably, uh, career at the, both the college and NFL level. So I, I just think that, that the statistics are going to argue later on that, uh, that the Seattle's running backs were woefully uh, ranked too low um you know by mike clay so that that's one that i really have an issue with and then again the safety position as well um i just think that that is as deep and talented of a positional group as you will see at any position in all of the nfl in my opinion i, I think that it's it's kind of fighting words to suggest the seahawks safeties don't rank in the top five uh to me it's just kind of comical so um again i the they all the way i'll kind of wrap up my thoughts on it is this corbin is that i expect there to be running backs and safeties that are cut from seattle's roster this year and i fully expect them either to sign on the seattle's practice squad or more likely sign on the active roster of other nfl teams who are just looking to pilfer seattle's talent at those two positions yeah, I think it's two of the deepest positions on Seattle's roster. And maybe the only reason you could justify them being ninth at safety is just because there have been some durability concerns at that position as well. And you also have two of the highest priced players in the league. That might be something that's being accounted for in terms of production in return for what you're paying, the draft picks you gave for Jamal Adams. I mean, there's a couple different things they'd be factoring in there. But I think it is definitely a top five safety group overall with the starters they have, the depth that they have at the position, guys that have started games that are going to be backups. Uh, at that safety position so I think that one was slightly underrated the running back one to me is the biggest outlier here that I just left scratching my bald head wondering why are they 26 with the depth and the talent and the amount of running they're going to be doing this upcoming season speaking of the running backs we're going to continue our training camp preview coming up in a moment an essential question out of the backfield spotlighting some players and of course some bold predictions when we return BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting and waging informational needs, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me is always my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We're only six days away 
from the start of Seahawks training camp, ushering in the 2022 season. So continuing our training camp preview, we've looked at quarterbacks. We've also looked at tackles so far in our training camp preview. Now we're going to go to the running backs in the backfield. As we just mentioned, Mike Clay of ESPN ranked Seattle's backfield 26th in the NFL. I'm still flabbergasted by that rating with the talent and the depth that they have at this position. I think when we're looking at the essential questions here, though, I could look at the entire group as a whole, but to me, something that's really going to have a bearing on where this Seahawks team goes this season, Rob, can you get a full season out of Rashad Penny? I know it's a simple question, but really, we could be talking about a couple wins that end up being skewed by that. If he is able to play most of the games this year and he can come close to playing like he did last year, and you have a 1,500-yard rusher on your team, that can do that can make a world of difference when you are trying to break in new quarterbacks, particularly you know, moving from Russell Wilson to Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Having that bell cow that has the ability to hit a home run anytime he touches the football can really be a difference maker. Even in today's NFL where running backs are devalued, that's the type of running back that can be a game changer and could be for the Seahawks this year. Yeah, exactly. It's why that Seattle decided to invest a second round selection in Ken Walker, um, despite the fact that they did bring back Rashad Penny. There's a possibility that Chris Carson is going to come back. It's just that Seattle wanted to have that basically as much of a guarantee as possible that they are going to have that threat of that type of a dominant running the game. Um, and, and so again, it, it's why I think that the the rankings uh, that we talked about previously are a little kind of going to be proven incorrect here in, in pretty short order. Um, you know, and and I kind of use the the essential question in a little bit different way, Corbin. I basically kind of asked, did Rashad Penny keep Adrian Peterson's phone number? Because <laughs> when when AP showed up, that's when the light apparently, uh, you know turned on for Rashad Penny. And we talked about this so much a year ago, Corbin. And and that's the question. If the Seahawks have that version of Rashad Penny and they are able to complement him with Ken Walker, then I really think this is going to be a dynamic rushing attack. And it's not going to be nearly as important as what some national pundits out there think that who is going to be a quarterback because the running game really should be that successful and you have that type of talent at the pass catcher positions, both receivers as well as tight end. Um, but at the same time, that is a huge question. It, Rashad Penny, as I mentioned, has, has been anything but consistent over his NFL career. And that's why my focus player here is the rookie, Ken Walker. Uh, you know, I unfortunately was not able to be there that very first day of the rookie minicamp when Ken Walker showed up in Seattle and just dropped the jaws of several onlookers, the folks yourself, we were there, of course, and there were some other folks who I had a chance to talk with afterwards, Seahawks scouts and, and some other folks who have been watching Seahawks practices for a long, long time. And to a man, to a woman, uh, it was just rave reviews from this kid. And certainly the college tape speaks for itself. You talked about the statistics, the fact that he was successful both in the ACC and then in the, the transfer over to the Big Ten at Michigan State. His success speaks for itself. The way that Seattle is going to use him speaks for itself. I'll just jump right into my bold prediction right here and now, Corbin. I think that Ken Walker is going to wind up being one of the best rookie rushers this year. And that almost by definition is going to make him a rookie or offensive rookie of the year candidate. I'm not going to go so far as to say that he's going to win it. 
because I think that Rashad Payne is going to eat up a lot of rushing yards as well. And again, a tip of the cap to the possible statistics of some of the Seattle's other running backs. But I do think that Ken Walker is absolutely going to justify the early selection that Seattle used Tom and do so as a rookie. Yeah, I think Walker's got a chance to have a substantial impact, even if Rashad Penny stays healthy. They're going to be rotating backs. This is not going to be a 30 carries a game for Rashad Penny type ordeal, especially with his injury history. They use that second-round pick for a reason. Ken Walker III is going to get his opportunities. If Chris Carson's healthy, that's a good problem to have. You're just going to have another really talented back in your backfield. At this point, I would still say that I'm leaning towards that's probably not going to be what happens, but we'll see. Carson still believes he has a chance to play, and nothing new's come out recently, so there's always a chance that he could end up playing. As far as spotlighted players for me, I think in this offense, having a running back that you can move around a little bit and you can move into the slot and can play that third down role is critical. I'm actually going to mention Travis Homer in this particular segment. DJ Dallas, you can say a lot of the same things about. Dallas is actually the one that you can slide out to slot, move him outside. He's played receiver previously, and you can see that background in his game. But Travis Homer's not a bad pass catching back either, and he's got some positional versatility. Really great special teams player. The thing that continues to be the feather in his cap, he is easily the best pass protector on this roster. He might be one of the best pass protecting running backs in the entire NFL. He has great technique. He plays with physicality. He uses his hands well. He isn't one of those backs that has to cut block guys all the time. Because of his technique, he is able to take on much bigger defensive linemen and linebackers, meet him in the hole, and stonewall keeps his feet moving. I mean, he's just, it's precise. It, it is magnificent watching him in pass protection. And that is invaluable in today's game, especially if you've got two rookie tackles playing. You're going to need a running back that can be that insurance back there to protect the quarterback. Travis Homer is easily the best on the roster. We have seen the explosiveness from him, particularly on special teams. And DJ Dallas could be in the mix here as well. But I would think as long as he's healthy, Travis Homer, he's added some mass to his body the last two years. It's ended up being good weight. He's still explosive, but he can handle between the tackles running better. I think he has the inside edge if he's healthy to be the third down back behind Rashad Penny and Ken Walker the third, And that third down back, particularly in two-minute situations, is going to get plenty of playing time. You know Homer's going to play on special teams. And so he's going into a contract year two. There's a lot on the line for him. I just, for whatever reason, I, I have an idea that this is going to be a pretty decent season for Travis Homer. Even if he isn't the bell cow, he's going to get plenty of snaps, and he's going to make an impact without the football in his hands. Yeah, and that, that's an excellent point that you just made about the possibility of the rookie tackles and how much more important to Travis Homer's pass protection, uh, just his awareness and his effectiveness as a pass blocker um, that that might be. So that's an excellent point. And it, again, it, it just kind of illustrates Seattle's depth at that position because DJ Dallas is a legitimate NFL back. Darwin Thompson is a legitimate NFL back. And I'm, ex I'm excited about Josh Johnson as well. Um, and, and of course, Chris Carson, as we talked about before, and that continues to be a story that we have to pay attention to. And even if Seattle's doctors are unwilling to clear him medically, perhaps another NFL team might be a little bit interested. So I'm, I, that's just another storyline I think that we have to kind of keep in mind at that running back 
position, Corbin. But it's, you know, again, to me, the most important thing is it goes back to what we talked about in, in the first quarter of today's show, that the national perception is that Seattle's running backs are not very good. And I just think that that is so wrong. And I think that they are going to be able to prove how incorrect that is throughout the entire season. And that they're going to be able to do something that very few NFL teams can't. Most NFL teams that have a dominant running back, they've got a guy. The, the Titans have Derrick Henry, of course. The Colts have Jonathan Taylor, of course, et cetera, et cetera. But because Seattle has such a wide variety, different styles of running backs, guys who are more effective as receivers, guys who are more effective downhill, and then the two backs especially, and Penny and Walker, that have that whew, gone, 0-60 to 60 kind of big play ability, it does make Seattle's running backfield one of the best in all of the NFL, in my opinion. To cap off this segment, I'm going to dish out my bold prediction. I've talked about yardage totals and things of that nature. I'm going to go a little different tangent here, though, just because of what we saw Rashad Penny do those last six games last year. I don't know that he's going to go out and get 1,200-plus rushing yards or anything like that. The one thing I do know, you're going to see big plays when he is on the field. He had eight runs of 20 or more yards in his last six games played, which tied the NFL single or season lead with Jonathan Taylor, who had more than 200 more carries than him. I think Rashad Penny is going to have 15 runs of 20 plus yards this season. I don't know what's going to lead to overall yardage, but I can guarantee that as long as he's healthy, there are going to be explosive plays in the run game. He is dynamite out of the backfield. So 15 runs of 20 or more yards. I expect that he's going to lead the league in that category. And that obviously would take a lot of pressure off of Drew Locke, Geno Smith, and the offensive line and pass protecting in general. It would just help everybody else on offense if they're able to get those explosives again, once again, out of the backfield. We're going to go to the defensive backfield now here coming up. The safety position, Seattle's got a ton of talent. They've got a lot of depth at the position. They do have a number of players coming back from injury. Durability has been a little bit of a concern. We're going to check out our essential question as well as spotlight players and a few bold predictions at the safety spot when we return. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And for your second listen, make sure to check out the Locked On NFL podcast. Our national NFL experts and insiders keep fans dialed in with the biggest stories, the latest news from around the league, because an offseason doesn't equal a break in the action up next in our training camp preview we just looked at the offensive backfield the running back position now we're going to slide over to the defensive backfield a safety group for the Seahawks that features a lot of talent and a lot of depth Jamal Adams returning from a labrum surgery for the second straight offseason he's expected to be fully healthy for camp Quandre Diggs coming back from a fractured ankle he's fully recovered Marquise Blair's expected to be back at some point in camp after fracturing his kneecap a year ago. They've got Ugo Amadi. They have Ryan Neal returning. They've got a couple undrafted rookies that they're very intrigued by. The essential question to me when you look at this group, what does a maximum potential look like for this group if they can keep everyone healthy? Because, Rob, quite frankly, we haven't gotten to see that yet. We haven't gotten to see... Quandre Diggs, Jamal Adams, and Marquise Blair play extensive snaps together. It's what Pete Carroll has wanted for two and a half years. It was what Ken Norton Jr. wanted as defensive coordinator. And you know that Clint Hurt being the new coordinator, Sean Desai, his love of playing three safety sets, nickel and dime packages, 
They want to see those three out there together because they believe that's the best defense they may be able to put on the field, the best product. What does that ceiling look like? Everybody wants to know. We just haven't been able to see it to this point because of injuries. It is. It's just so tantalizing, just the idea of it. You know, uh, I'm looking forward to doing some fishing this summer, Corbin. There's times when you're not catching fish or just you're just begging to get one more bite just to remind you of what it might look like. And that's, I think, how the Seahawks basically view this possible three-headed monster at the safety position. You know the the all-pros, the pro bowlers, and Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams. But if you can get Marquise Blair's playmaking ability – on the field with Adams and his ability near the line of scrimmage and digs and his ability as a true center fielder, his instincts, his ball skills, uh, as you talk about that, or as you uh, illustrate in the fun fact that again, our YouTube viewers can already see, but those of you who are just listening, uh, Corbin is, has this training camp preview at the safety position. And we're talking about the fun fact. Quandre Diggs became the only player in the NFL over the past five seasons with three or more, interceptions every one of those five years again that just kind of speaks to Quandre Diggs's ball skills and I think that when you have the questions at pass rusher and cornerback as Seattle obviously does then it just makes safety that much more important and especially when you're considering the dynamic offenses in this division so to me that is the the overriding question about safeties is how often can Seattle use all three how good could they possibly be the short answer is I think they're going to use them an awful lot and, and not just because of the fact that Seattle has that talent, not just because of the fact that Sean Desai has that experience in Chicago, but also just because of the variety of different offenses that you see in the NFC West. I think that it's critical in today's era, Corbin, that, that you do have three safeties because cornerbacks often just don't have the size and physicality to be able to take to tackle a player like a George Kittle who runs like a wide receiver. Sure, you want a corner to cover him, but now you got to try and take tackle a guy who is 6'5", 255 pounds, you know, kind of a thing. And, and so I think that Seattle is uniquely situated to be able to do this. And so I'm really excited about it. To me, this is one of the real wild cards of their club uh, this season. I could see if this works, that it getting Sean Desai, uh, Carl Scott, and certainly Clint Hurt and Pete Carroll, an awful lot of credit from a lot of coaches around the NFL. And I think they could lead to a lot more success in the one loss column than a lot of people are anticipating as well. That's just the way today's NFL works with the way teams are deploying their personnel, the types of personnel that they're putting out there. Teams not running fullbacks and two-back sets very often. You have to have the flexibility to be able to play with five defensive backs in the field. As you mentioned, the issue is when you have a slot corner like Ugo Amadi or Justin Coleman out there and George Kittle's playing in the slot, that is not a matchup that favors the Seahawks at all because of the size. And George Kittle runs well enough that, you know, you can't lay your hat on the athleticism card either. And a number of teams in this division have tight ends that can move like that and can catch the football. So that's why a player like Marquise Blair is so invaluable to this defense if you can just keep him healthy. And I'm, you know, I'm going to be honest. The injuries have kind of soured me a bit on Marquise Blair to this point because the durability has been such a problem. But I still think, he can be one of the best players on this defense, one of the three or four best players. He has that type of a ceiling. He has an extremely versatile skill set. He can play free safety. He can drop back. 
He has some ball skills. He obviously excels in the box. Even though he's kind of a thin, lanky safety, he'll smack people. He plays a physical brand of football. He's an excellent blitzer. He's an excellent run defender. He's got the length and the physicality to handle those tight ends, and he can also move well enough that he's played slot corner against smaller, shiftier receivers, and he's played well against it. He checks off every box, and having a third safety slash corner that can do that just gives your play caller, your coordinators, your assistant coaches so much more flexibility than if you have a line extra linebacker on the field that isn't going to be able to do a lot of those different things, dropping back as a free safety. It gives you so much versatility with what you can do in terms of formations and scheming. So he is truly the wild card of this entire defense. And he has been for the last three years because we just haven't gotten to see him much. He's played in eight regular season games the last two years combined. And that's just too small of a sample size to really know what we would have seen out there if he could have been healthy because he's had his struggles when he's played. There have been some discipline-related issues assignment-wise. He just hasn't had the time to develop. And so that's something we have to keep in mind. But he can do everything. And so when you add a player like that to a group that already has a healthy Quandre Diggs and a healthy Jamal Adams, two unique players in their own right who have some interchangeability uh, defensive-wise, when you can put another Swiss Army knife like Marquise Blair out there, the imagination that the defensive coordinator can deploy defensively skyrockets. And I think that's big in today's game. You've got to be able to mix things up. And it's a lot harder to do that when you don't have versatile players. Marquise Blair makes that process much easier for Clint Hurt and the rest of his coaching staff. There's no question about it. Well, and it's just the carryover factor on the other players. I mean, you know, Jamal Adams, we know, set the rookie or set the record for the most sacks by NFL defensive back two years ago. Then last year, he drops down to zero. You know, there were so many times the Seahawks fans could just watch the game and see Jamal Adams starting to creep closer to the box. And you could tell that they were going to blitz him. And that was going to create a hole where any savvy quarterbacks are going to be able to see that because it was plain as day. But when you have a player as, uh, you know, versatile as Marquise Blair, as you just illustrated, Corbin, then that is going to allow Seattle a lot more versatility. So the player that I would focus in on here is, is going to be Jamal Adams, but by extension, it is Blair as well, because again, as you just kind of pointed out with um, the versatility, the interchangeability that Adams and Diggs have, I think that Blair has that as well. And so I think that you could see Blair being the one who creeps down in the box, keeping Adams in the back um, or switch that out. But either way, it is going to force quarterbacks to look on both sides of the formation. And obviously that is just going to lead to that much more, um, you know, questioned by, by the young quarterbacks and lead to that many more big plays uh, by Seattle's defense. So again, really excited about that. But I, at the same time, while we focused in on those three players, again, it's the depth that I think makes this safety class so, so, so good for the Seahawks. I mentioned before running back, how I fully expect one of these players to wind up getting cut and going elsewhere. I think that that list could be longer uh, in Seattle. We don't we don't talk about Ryan Neal much, but he is a, a proven commodity. Ugo Amadi and his ability to play the safety positions as well as drop down and be able to play that cornerback position, especially nickel. That is especially that's important. His ability as a returner was something that Seattle is not taking much advantage of, but that was something that he did back in college at 
Oregon that other clubs might like. And we've talked over and over again, Corbin, about all of those names as far as the undrafted free agents this year at the safety position. I think Seattle's safety positional group is as loaded as it gets in all of the NFL. And I think that's one of the reasons why this safety spot has something something that Seattle should be considering as far as, as, far as possible trades. They're so deep there that if they do have a position of concern elsewhere, maybe it's offensive tackle, maybe it's even quarterback, who knows? Maybe they have an injury somewhere and they're kind of, John Schneider feels forced to do something. I am not advocating for trading Quandre Diggs, Jamal Adams, or even Marquise Blair for that matter. You probably wouldn't get much for him considering his durability. But I do think that Seattle has so many quality options there that that is going to give Seattle an awful lot of options, not only on the playing field, but uh, in, in terms of negotiating for possible trades as well. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch because you have a number of undrafted rookies at this position that have some intrigue, like Bubba Bolden and Joey Blunt. Those are two guys that had decorated college careers playing in the ACC, and obviously they have a lot of obstacles in front of them to make this roster, but at the same time, they're undrafted rookies. They're cheap, and a couple of these veterans that are backups are entering the final year of their deal, so there may be some roster jockeying going on there trying to you know, let's do some gymnastics here. Let's get a few of these younger guys up here that are going to be cheaper, that are going to be under contract the next couple of years, and maybe move on from one of these established veterans. I mean, we can get something in return for them. And so that'll be fascinating to watch. As far as bold predictions go, I got to go with Jamal Adams here because I think he is going to go into this season with a boulder on his shoulder. I think he has been listening to the noise. He knows there's a lot of people out there that feel that the Seahawks made a bad trade what they gave up to acquire him, and then he's had the shoulder injuries. The production has been good, but not great. I think that Jamal Adams has the best season of his three-year run in Seattle by a wide margin, and the big reason why, I'm going to say one name, I think Sean Desai. Sean Desai being the associate head coach, his experience coaching up safeties, he has been a magician with safeties in his NFL coaching career. And I think he's going to have that same effect on Jamal Adams. He's going to know how to best utilize him. I think Adams is going to get back into the sack column and then some. I think he's going to rack up 110 tackles this year to go with six sacks and four interceptions. If he puts up numbers like that, he's got a chance to get back into the all-pro rankings. I think he stays healthy, and I think he's extremely productive in a defense that better suits his skill set. Wow, that, that is bold prediction. I, I'm not quite as bold, my friend. Uh, I'm going to go with Marquise Blair, focusing in on him, and I'm not going to throw out a bunch of statistics and things like that. I just think that this is the season in which he does stay healthy. I think that he basically does exactly the same kind of thing as what the Seahawks had with Rashad Penny a year ago, a very talented but inconsistent player who finally stays healthy and lives up to his draft selection, or at least enough to uh, justify getting some type of big contract from uh, NFL teams next season. That's what I think Marquise Blair is going to do. That's why I watched him do at Utah. Um, you know, he signed with uh, the Utes as a highly touted Juco prospect, uh, kind of a late blooming guy there. Um, and I think he's going to wind up doing the same thing. So I think that Marquise Blair is going to have the healthiest and most productive season of his NFL career. And that's what is going to create a, some real interest from suitors uh, in the offseason next year. 
As always, we appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Check out Locked On Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on our Thursday episode, I will be joined by Nick Lee as my co-host. We're going to continue our training camp previews. Going to be looking at the receiver and cornerback positions on the outside. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.